that's what yeah at first when i decided to make the switch i really think i was trying to look back and i was thinking i have no experience at all so i realized that going through the job search would be really tough but then when i really analyze what i do in my current job i realized that there's more i'm working with data more than i really expected and it's awesome to see that because sometimes when you think you don't know it it turns out you actually do Monica here. Welcome to the Data Podcast for Nerds, where we get to talk to amazing professionals and ask them all about how they use data to solve the world's problems, highlighting some careers out there that you might not think are data related. And as always, we have some fun bits because, of course, we're all nerds here and we love to have fun. So with us today, we have Mike McKee. How are you today, Mike? I'm doing great, Monica. I'm just so happy you invited me over to chat with you, and I'm super excited for this. <laughs> Absolutely. Glad to have you on the show to share your experiences. <laughs> so we typically start our episodes with people's origin stories yes. and understanding what is your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I definitely think I have a very unique background as far as people in the data analytics, like the data world go. So I started out, I've always been a math and science person my whole life. So naturally in college, I decided to study math. Like one of those crazy people that do that. And by halfway through, I started becoming, love. I started loving to read. And I was reading like two to three books a day. And that kind of sent me down a rabbit hole where I realized if I'm consuming all these stories, I should go write one myself. So that led me to write my own sci-fi novel and become an author. So ever since that, I kind of said, screw math. I want to go this writing route. So then after I graduated for two years, I spent all my time writing, doing marketing and like building up newsletters, a failed blog. But this whole time, something just felt missing. And I, when I audited like my career path at that point, I noticed that what I loved the most was working with the analytics and data behind all my writing. So that really made me transition more into a data role. And I will say though, after, during my two years after college, I've been working as a project analyst. So that kind of entails kind of working with data through our accounting software and just finding out project costs, project timelines, and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So you kind of uh, went back to your math yeah, roots because that was missing. Yeah, it went full circle where I said, no, I don't like math, but I realized the whole time I do love it. That's so fun. I've experienced that myself as well uh, with <laughs> teaching. Um, I wanted to become a teacher and then decided to get into accounting and then data, and then now I'm back to okay, Now teaching. it's just back where you thought you wanted to teach at the beginning, and then when you think you're wrong, turns out the whole time you're right. I'll say even though like I switched back to the math now, um, I don't want to forget about my writing roots. That's why I'm still I'm still writing all the time and like working on that and not forgetting about it. That's a good point. That's a good point. So always listen to yourself and yes. yeah. You talked about it a little bit, but can you go back and explain what is it that you currently do and yes. what is your main role and responsibility with that role? Yes, yeah, so my, my main role, I do, we're a small company, so 
aside from like the data stuff, I do a little bit of the office work to help out, but primarily I'm working with, cause we don't have, that, this is the big thing when I started out working is I didn't think it was like a data profession. So I was like, cause we don't have like big warehouses. We're not using like SQL servers, anything most data analysts use. But this whole time I am still working with data and pulling data from our accounting software because we have these big machines that range that have like multiple thousand parts with them. So trying to figure out the individual cost for everything takes a while, takes a lot of cleaning and analyzing. So at the core, I am still working with the data and it's finding out this cost analysis and creating projects that help us figure out, are we making money or we're losing money? And that's, that's the majority of what I do for sure. Yeah. And no, it's funny that people that are in their current positions that want to get into the data field yeah. don't realize that their their current role really is a data role. That's why, yeah, at first, when I decided to make the switch, I really think I was trying to look back and I was thinking I have no experience at all. So I realized that going through the job search would be really tough. But then when I really analyze what I do in my current job, I realized that there's more, I'm working with data more than I really expected. And it's awesome to see that because sometimes when you think you don't know it, it turns out you actually do. Exactly. So throughout, you said that right now you're trying to transition into the data field and um, yes. you have experience that you didn't think that you had before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the big, that's the biggest thing where, cause it's, it's really, it's easy to fall in a trap where you think I have, I'm starting from zero. And so that really set me back and like think about the job hunt in a way where I have to build up all of these skills and try to find experience through them. But it turns out this whole time it's been, it's been there and I've had it. So it's, yeah. it's relieving to have that experience. Do you have any examples of specifically what you've seen, say from a job posting where you didn't think that you had the experience, but you're like, actually I do. Yeah, so a lot of I say a lot of like data analyst roles I've been looking at, they work primarily with Excel and this whole all the project and the analytics I do at work, it's all through Excel. So even though I'm using Excel every day, I just never thought of it in a way where I'm doing analytics with it. But once I really started going through all the job applications, looking at the descriptions, I realized that all these Excel Excel skills they want, I've had this whole time. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, it's crazy to think of because I really thought I was starting from zero and it would be a tough road trying to build up. But it turns out it's a little more manageable than I expected. Yeah. What types of data projects do you like to work on the most? Yeah. I think what excites me is that since I'm really, since we're a small company, I'm like kind of like a one man team doing analytics. I have a lot of freedom to kind of design these Excel models the way I want to design them, which Again, going back to my writing and marketing background, I love like being creative and the creativity aspect of those. So I think having the freedom to build these models the way I want, just make it a little more exciting to work with what people consider like boring data. So you talked a little bit about your writing background and yes. creativity and how it helps you with what you are doing now in the data world. Mm -hmm. So I want to quickly transition into our fun bits. Okay, let's do it. Can you tell us more about your writing background and specifically I'm curious about the book that you wrote? Yeah, 
So that's why the, the crazy part is that going, cause I started writing when I was a math major still. So the biggest thing I always get is people saying, Mike, why do you go from math to writing? They're nothing alike. And that always, that question always stumped me. Cause I never, no matter how many times I've been asked it, I never knew how to answer it. And I think the truth is that at the end of the day, math and writing are a lot more alike than we think because math, they're both all about noticing patterns, like building logic and going from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible. So even though the creativity for the two are different, the core of them and the foundation are just follow the same process, the same roadmap. So yeah, so after I started reading and falling in love with writing, that's when I decided I'm gonna take a snack. Uh, I'm gonna test out myself, see if I can write something. And then I just literally one day I said, I'm gonna write a book. So I started typing away. And 30 days later, I had the first draft, which surprised me because throughout high school and college, I never liked my English or writing classes. I barely got by with a B in my writing class in college, just months before I wrote the book. So it was a big step up and surprise for me to jump into that so quickly. Yeah. I've never written a book myself. I would like <laughs> to one day, but um, I heard it was a long process. 30 days oh. seems very fast. Well, 30 days was just the first draft. So okay. after I did that, I kind of, I was really thinking, oh, I'm going to go through this whole process quick, hoping to like publish it within a few months. But then overall, it took me about nine months from start to finish okay. to actually publish it. And the majority of it was just editing, editing, editing. That's really all it is. Okay. The fun, the fun bit was that first 30 days of writing and then after it's just struggling to make it sound better. Mm -hmm. What did that 30 days look like? Was it like eight hours a day just yeah. in front of your So computer? that's why this is right when COVID started. So it was that March of 2020 where I just, my I was in college at the time and we all got sent home for the rest of the semester. So, and all the classes, it became easy online. So I didn't have to do much work. Okay. So I really had just all day. So I'd spend usually from like 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. just sitting at my kitchen table and just writing nonstop. Like no breaks, no food, just writing. <laughs> and right. as much as I loved the time, like thinking about it now, I just... I wouldn't want to go back to that because it's a, it was, it was a lot. And it was a lot. Cause I wrote, I think what, 90,000 words for the novel. Wow. So it wasn't like, it wasn't a short one. So I really spent those 30 days just grinding through that book. Okay. Now you must go into the details. What kind of novel is yeah, this? So it's a sci-fi novel because I just, okay. at the time I was reading a lot of like, <clears throat> I was reading like Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, a lot of, uh, some other sci-fi like from like the 1800s so I, re I realized i want to do something like that so it takes a it takes on the journey of the main character his name's andrew and he lives in the year 2126 and he's actually like a book nerd and he loves reading data all that which wasn't planned but it just worked out that way <laughs> and basically he time travels back into the past to 2019 and him and his friends go on a scavenger hunt to find a way to go back to the future and along the way, he kind of navigates life in that time, and like the past that he loves. So he has to debate whether he wants to go back or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no it's, spoilers. It's not only <laughs> I will say though, <laughs> because like because it's like my first book, and I didn't really know much about writing at the time. Obviously, for me, it felt like the greatest thing ever. Uh -huh. But then going back and reading it again, I realized like 
as fun as it was, like it's not not the greatest book on there, but I just love the journey of doing it. I'm happy. I'm happy I did it because those nine months taught me a lot more than the last year of college did for me. Okay. And what is the title of this book? The title is The Doors of Life. I think, right. I don't know. I, I think it might be on Amazon, but I don't really, I think it's actually, I think I took it down because after a few years, I just didn't want it up there. Oh, okay. Why? Well, because it was never a moneymaker for me. It was really just about okay. just sharing of the world and doing something cool and a cool project. That's all I care about. Got it. Got it. So is it available for people somewhere if they're interested? Um, honestly, right now, no. So okay. I think I, what I should what I should do is maybe just put it on my website. Yeah. Just have it please. have it there for free. Cause I'm not again, like right now, I don't care about making money from it. It's funny because actually in the in the long in total with like building a website, having a copy out of there, I think I actually lost a little money from it rather than making it. Cause I didn't but I mean it was off. It was fun, so I didn't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please do put that on your website. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm interested in reading it. Yeah, it'll be free. <laughs> I think because the, the biggest reason I took it down is because which I do want to mention as something for like people listening is that when you write and create content like this, whether it's a blog, a book, or even like on LinkedIn, it's scary sometimes because you don't want people to see your bad work. You want them to see the good side. So it's easy to like take stuff down and hide it or not even post it. But at the end of the day, just putting it out there, the worst that happens is someone said that they don't like it and nothing bad is going to happen from it. That's true. So that's the big reason I took it down, which now, thinking about it now, I should put it back up there. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you are still writing because that is yes. still a part of you and you're oh, listening yeah. to yourself. Um, you have a website. So yeah, so Dorky Data is all about just sharing all, everything I learned from my passions in math, programming, and data. And I just want to put it out there because I've noticed that over time, I'm always learning a lot. So I'm like a lot, I'm like a lifelong learner, as cliche as it sounds. And one of the biggest things for me was that I didn't have an easy way to like reread what I've been learning. Cause I don't want to reread an entire book and go through it again. So that's why I wanted Dorky Data to be a place where I can share what I learned so that other people can take that knowledge and kind of save themselves time and learn along with me or learn from learn from me. And so, yeah, so right now I'm writing on it as much as I can and just blogging. And also part of your writing or part of your sharing, you are uh, participating in 66 days of math and programming. Yes. Yeah, so when I was in college, I was always, like when I started writing around that time, I was always doing like little experiments in my life to try to like see what works and doesn't. So I did like no social media for 30 days. I did like 66 days of being vegan, stuff like that. So when I was coming back now with all the data work and just building my website, I didn't want it to, I didn't want to just build it and have it go to waste, which I've done in the past with projects. I really wanted to like be something. So I decided I'm going to do another one of these challenges where I write every day. So I decided 66 days because that's like what people say it takes that long to go to habit. So I do 66 days of just writing every day. Doesn't have to be a long blog post because I wouldn't have time for that. Because writing something about what I learned has been helping me tremendously in just retaining the knowledge and having a place to go back and look. Like I could say, oh, what did I do last week? What did I do six months ago? And I have a place right there that shows me exactly what I did and outlines my struggles, what I did good, what I did bad. 
and it's like a it's like a thought dump too where i could put out ideas i'm thinking there's nothing i could say i'm gonna start this project but if i figure out something that doesn't work that way or doesn't work out well i'm not committed or binding to that so i could just take it back and not not worry about the project but usually i try to do when i say something on there i end up doing it yeah just <laughs> it's tough though <laughs> So what is your favorite project that you've worked on so far during the 66 days? Uh, so Wait, what I, day are you on first? Right now, so I'm on 30, 38, I think. Yeah, yesterday was 37, so now 38. So okay. I still have to write it too. I haven't done anything yet. So I got, I got to figure out what I'm writing about. But for my favorite project, it's got to be the Spotify. I don't know if you saw the Spotify one I did. where, Because also, I just, I'll say that I just, in college, I learned a little bit of Python and programming. But now as I'm learning about data and everything, I want to get back into it. So right before the 66 day, or right before the start of my experiment, I started learning Python. And I'm a real big, like, I'm like a learn by doing kind of person. So I didn't want to just like go through a course that teaches me how to use it. Cause I knew the basics and fundamentals. So I figured I'll challenge myself with a big like data project where I take, um, take my Spotify playlist and just like scrape all the data from Spotify's API. And then just using all of that, create my own scoring algorithm to see how trendy my taste in music is. Okay. And the tough part is that I end up making it work. I got a score, but the biggest problem is that it doesn't work for other people yet. It only mm -hmm. works for my data. So I'm thinking about ways to adapt this into like another fun little project where other people can try to put their Spotify playlist in and see how they compare to let's say me or other people. Okay. In what is the scoring algorithm or is you, you said it's a trendiness score? Every song and every artist has a popularity score, like using their algorithm. So the scores are all from like zero to a hundred. So using all of that data, I pretty much kind of create a my own little math equation that figures out like weighted scores versus each other and takes into account different factors. And at the end it'll produce scores zero to a hundred to see how your playlist ranks. Okay. So mine, mine actually ended up being a 74, which I'm think I'm thinking is pretty good. Obviously I don't have enough data to tell what the real average would be for people, but I'm thinking mine's a good score. I'm pretending yeah. it is if it's not. <laughs> yeah. So if you get a higher score, does that just mean that you listen to the most popular? So a higher score just means that the mix of artists and songs you listen to are more popular amongst other users also. Got it. But yeah, so it was a fun, it was a fun project. I learned a lot about like uh, using Python for data analysis and I was like working with functions and algorithms. A little daunt, it was a little daunting though. I won't lie. I'm sure. <laughs> Cause there, there would just be times, cause since it's like my first big Python project, there were times where I was trying to figure something out and it's like looking at a problem I had that just looked perfectly fine, but then just nothing would work and yeah. spent a lot of time debugging. <laughs> Mm. What are your takeaways so far from this 66 days journey? Yeah. So I think the biggest one is I'm a little biased too, as a writer that I think more people should write because I think there's a process of sharing what you learn, even if it's private and to your own personal journal, just writing down what you learn just helps you retain all that memory and information. Cause there's stuff that I still remember from what I wrote like 30 days ago. I guess the second big one is definitely that you shouldn't be afraid to learn more because 
there are times I'm doing a project and I realize I could do steps A, B, and C. If I want to do step D, I have to learn a few new, whether it be software or some tech skills. And it's easy to see that and just kind of get stumped and give up. But I learned along my journey that it's better to try to learn these skills because even if it's not necessary for other jobs or projects you do, just knowing you can learn it and being able to learn it quick will help you in the future, like build other skills. So I guess a good example would be, I just finished this one project where I tried to automate my learning process by kind of creating a database with all of my blog posts and every day send myself an email that contains one of them so that I could read it and actually use what I'm writing. So now it's fun because I built, I built my whole like SQL server or SQL database and did all that. But then I realized that I wouldn't be able to run this code naturally or automatically because my laptop's closed, then obviously it can't run. So that kind of got me down a rabbit hole of learning about some like Google Cloud, stuff like that. And I'll admit, I never, I never actually finished the project because it kind of mm -hmm. came a lot trying to work with the cloud technology. But I think just opening myself to, I even though I didn't finish it, I opened myself up to other possibilities and other, like other uh, software skills that now is helping me learn more skills and build on the tech stack I already have. Yeah. Speaking of learning, so it sounds like throughout this whole entire journey, you yeah. have to go out and learn new things. Yeah, that's what is your one. approach to learning those new things and what are your go-to resources? Yeah. So again, I definitely say I'm a big fan of books, which might be a little surprising, but so I, I like to start off like reading books about the topics I'm learning, but the biggest, like the biggest trap I used to fall into is that I'll read a book and then move on to the next one right away. Whereas I think what's important is to read a book and apply what you're learning as you read it. So for example, right now I'm reading a book about like data structures and algorithms, just for fun, I don't know why, but just for fun. <laughs> and so rather than just like reading a chapter and moving on, I read one and then I go to my computer and actually try to test out what I read and like write my own code based on it before moving along to different topics. And I think that, Having that mindset of trying to do as you learn is just speeds up the learning process and makes it easier for you to pick up these skills and retain more knowledge. Anything other than books that you use for learning uh, new things? I do use actually ChatGPT a lot and like Google Bard because okay. even though it's kind of like people have mixed opinions about it, but I do think that for sometimes simple questions, you could get results back quickly rather than going to Google or and trying to interpret like a search type in the search engine. So I do use those a lot because just the feedback's quick. And I do have some, I mean, you gotta be careful with what, like what you search on there, but some of the results and the ideas they give you are pretty valuable and useful. Mm -hmm. So I remember a third one, which would be to collaborate with other people. Cause it's easy, especially in the world of data, it's easy to try to do all these projects alone and work on and work by yourself individually. But especially if people on LinkedIn or Twitter, there's a lot of other people out there with the same passions as you. So I think it's good to try to connect with them. And if you can do projects with them or learn from their projects, because there's a lot of insights that you'll never learn on your own. And sometimes you need other people to show you how to do. And that's actually that's one thing that I should work on too more. I'm sure other people are the same way where you think you could do it on your own, but 
just reaching out and it's like connecting with other people helps you a lot. It helps you learn more. It really does. Networking. Networking. Yeah. And simple, the simple way of saying it, networking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are really good, great takeaways. Yeah. Do you have any other final words of encouragement or recommendations for the listeners? So a big one I would say is that to sometimes just take risks with the projects you do. So especially like with data projects, I know a lot of people tend to do the same, build the same dashboards, work with the same data sets. And I think just in me being a creative person, a writer, I try not to copy these other projects. I want to like be original and stand out with what I do. So I try to like, for example, like a Spotify playlist, a Spotify project, just like getting my own, sourcing my own data from the API rather than like using a data set from Kaggle. And a lot of the projects I work on, I just try to build my own data and take from what I know and what I've used in the past, because it's something that no one else would do or no one else has. It's unique data. So I think the projects you can build off of these, you know, the projects you can build are just very creative, unique, and it'll show your originality too. Absolutely. And you know the data because it's your data. And you know, yeah, you know. So if it's something, I mean, obviously there'll be times where you see like, you see stuff that you don't know, but for the most part, you know what's going on. Like, you know, oh, this song's in my playlist. I know what it is, who it's from. So it helps you also be familiar with it to do the projects. You know, rather than having like a CSV file with thousands of rows of stuff you don't know, it's just knowing the data definitely helps out. Absolutely. And you probably have a lot more interesting questions to ask of your own data. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, I think, yeah, and also it makes it more fun too to explore the data because you know it's something that interests you if it's from you. So it's like it's a lot more fun like looking at maybe your taste in music and what kind of so how the songs are on your playlist versus doing like some I don't want to say boring, but going through a boring data set that you just pulled from some random internet, some random website on the internet. Mm -hmm. So definitely more fun that way. Thank you so very much, Mike, yeah, for super, sharing your stories. Yeah, it's really <laughs> fun to be here and just talk and chat. And it's a real, like, it's a real like, humbling experience because me being new on LinkedIn in the data world, it's really, it's easy for me to just not publish stuff and not post my blog or LinkedIn, but doing that and writing, posting content, creating it, it opens up new opportunities, introduces you to new people. And that's something that it's just invaluable that you can't get from hiding your work and not showing your projects off the world. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. If any of the listeners wanted to reach out for additional questions from you, where yes. can they find and or follow you? So I guess you follow me at on LinkedIn, um, Mike McKee writes and, or you can go to my website, dorky data, where I have all my blog posts of projects I do. I have a contact page also. So if you want to reach out to me there, it works. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Mike, for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was, just, it was awesome. Awesome experience. <laughs> Absolutely. And as always, folks, happy learning.